Don your quaintest bonnet, pack your hot-crossed buns with care, and traverse the shattered landscape of your own subconscious. Because it's time oh, to talk tall to me. <laughs> realize a lot of things in that. Wow. <laughs> About your bonnet? I I don't have any quaint bonnets, Homan. <laughs> Made me realize that. It's really upsetting. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Talk Told to Me. I am Nick McGill. And I am Omen Said. We are feckless moms. And this is Talk Told to Me. A deep dive into the underpinnings of our earliest memories about Jethro Tull. <laughs> Almost as if they were a fairy tale. I see Ian Anderson coming out of a house made of gingerbread. <laughs> I see Clive Bunker coming out of a house made of Ian Anderson. Oh. <laughs> I see Martin Barr fighting a giant Ian Anderson with seven heads. <laughs> Yes. Yes. <laughs> and and here we are, and Nick and I are simply trying to leave a trail of breadcrumbs back to where we started. All the way from the very first album to present day. One song, one breadcrumb every week. Will we be baked into a cake in a giant witch's oven? Wait and see. Will our evil stepmothers cut? <laughs> nope. I was thinking of the evil stepsisters that they cut off their feet to fit into the glass slipper. Will we get to go to the ball? Oh, there we go. Or will we have to stay home and clean up after Ian Anderson again? Will my prince ever come? Or will he just keep breathing heavily? <laughs> Find out on Talk Tall to Me. Nick, what are we listening to this week? Oh, dear Christ. <laughs> this week, we are listening to... Oh, wait a second. What is it? I think we should listen to the little audio clip that I sent to you, Omen. <gasps> I am so excited. For what better introduction? What better introduction than to hear this? This is a clip from their 1987 concert in, I believe it was in Philadelphia. Really? Yeah, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, November 24th, 1987, called the Upper Darby Concert. Let's take a listen I feel that bad boy. like a pretty dress has just been made for me by pests and vermin. Yes. It has. Now put it on and listen. <laughs> We're going to do a song in which uh, I think Martin is one of those very quiet guys, as you know. I mean, you don't... Anybody ever recollect hearing Martin speak on stage? No? You've never actually ever heard this guy talk. So I think it's only fitting that Martin should be allowed to make this next introduction. Totally alone, unaided, unprovoked, unhelped in any way whatsoever. Martin Thank you very much. I'll have to play a little tune, two little tunes. First one called Mother Goose, followed by Jacqueline. 
And uh, this is for Mary, whose birthday is today. Happy birthday, Mary. Sorry, what's that? The birthday is a birthday, okay. Right, hey, I'm with you. You know, I like the sound of your voice, Martin. From far, far away. That's which is actually how you sound to me, because I'm wearing these little earplugs in my ears, which um, kind of uh, protect them from these dreadful frequencies that emanate from the speakers and things behind us. This is called, um, as Martin rightly says, uh, Mother Goose or something. Yeah. My favorite part about that introduction is where Ian is like, we're going to let Martin Barr do the introduction. Oh, thank you, Martin. Shut up. I'll do the, un the introduction now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> yep classic ian anderson but i i figured you you would want to hear martin's voice so i dug that up for you it's nice to hear it in my waking moments as well as <laughs> in in my dreams every night nick <sighs> did it match did it compare to to his dream voice oh, oh yes i mean yeah usually it's accompanied by by angelic wings and Singing cherubs. The musty smell of manhood. Oh, God. Not, not, not like that. Oh. Why don't we have a <laughs> listen to Mother Goose? Well, yes, let's actually listen to Mother Goose. As I did walk by Hampstead Well, well, well. My goodness. You know, Nick, you know what I want to say right off the bat? Please, tell me what you want to say. I remember when I was, uh, when I was a teenager, I, I fooled around with the guitar a little bit. And, uh -huh. and I remember trying to learn that acoustic guitar intro to this song. Yeah? You know, the one that sounds really, like, simple and easy to master? Yeah. It is not. No. That that acoustic guitar playing is so skillful. Yeah. In this song and it's so it's so rhythmically precise and yet and yet comes off as so light. Ugh. Yeah, right. Right. Oh my gosh. I I want to get into I've got a, a a good list of actual instruments being played on this one that I'd like to get into. Give it to me. Since we're talking instruments, Ian Anderson on acoustic guitar, percussion, Vocals and backing vocals. That's not unusual for <laughs> him to be both vocals and backing vocals. He drinks a lot of coffee. Uh, Martin Barr on acoustic and electric rhythm guitar. Fascinating. So that from our from our past episode, from Cheap Day Return, yeah. Martin does play acoustic and uh, acoustic rhythm guitar. So it yeah. could have been him playing. It could be certainly, yeah. And he also gets some percussion credit. There must be some little wood blocks or something in this song. Yeah, there's there's a handful, and there's plenty of tambourine and stuff in there, too. Lots of tambourine. Jeffrey Hammond Hammond on alto recorder and backing vocals. Yes. I think I I'm know where, I'm guessing that's too. him in basically that one friggin' stanza. Walk down laughed by down by the, by the putting green. Arms, try and get some sun. That one. Nope. I was thinking left down by the putting green. I popped them in their holes. It's the same, it's the same tune. I think it's, I think it's, <laughs> I think the effect is repeated. I just didn't notice him singing there. It was, it was very noticeable on. I popped them in their ho ho holes. That one. 
Yeah, that one. Good old Clive on just strictly percussion. Yeah. And John Evan on... Mellotron. Without fail at this point. Which is really funny because... Pretty solid. I can't detect the Mellotron in this song. No, it's... it's As much as everything's been remastered, for some reason the Aqualung quality of, of a lot of their, their tracks are still kind of muffled. Still kind of not the best quality. Interesting. I find. Or it's just so subtle that that the ears of mortals like us cannot detect it. I mean, there is a lot going on musically in this song. There is, certainly. It's all, like you said, it may seem simple, but if you're, if you just, if you're not really super listening, like it all kind of, it blends, it becomes a bit of a, of a quilt of, of sound. But if you're trying to pick stuff out, like, yeah, it, there's there's a lot of stuff going on. In yeah, there. there is. Well, thank you for that instrumental uh, analysis. Yeah. Shall we jump straight into the thicket? Sure. I just I just want to, before we leave instrumentation, I just oh, want to yes. say how much I really love, in between the... The long John Silver going into Johnny Scarecrow. Yeah. There's that little sting where it's got to be Martin going in on acoustic and then brown pulling out in in electric. Like really one of the the one or two times we hear electric in this song. Yeah. But it's this fun little kind of surprise burst in there. Yeah. I feel it's, I mean, in terms of it being a, a predominantly acoustic song, it's not, it's not like the song would have been terrible without it, but it's a nice little kind of little change up, I guess. It's funny, it, you know, I don't think of this as being an acoustic song, even though, even though it predominantly is, because it doesn't have I that, know, yeah. It has such richness. It doesn't have that pared down feeling. It feels like a rock and roll song, even though... There's barely any uh, electric guitar on it. Yeah, I, to be honest, like I, I never thought of it as acoustic as well until I saw basically an analysis on it, and they're, right. they, they, it said like this is one of the acoustic songs off of Aqualong, and I was like, wait a second. No, but it feels it feels like fairy tale rock or like I, I don't know, like it's its own genre suddenly. Yeah, but there's yeah, like we've been saying, there's just so much depth to it that it does yes. not feel. Your standard acoustic sound. Yes, certainly. Speaking of depth. Let's talk depth. Omen. Yes. Mother Goose. Uh-oh. What do you got for me? Oh, the song or the original uh, concept? Oh, yes. <laughs> I wish I hadn't suggested the original concept because I have not done very much research. But I do know. That Mother Goose is um, a very ancient figure which goes back centuries and centuries and maybe even to the time of the mother of Alexander the Great. Oh. Yes. Is she like the mythical physical embodiment of like the Brothers Grimm? Or not quite? Well, you know, I would almost say, and this is me spouting completely just out of my out of my spout because I am a little teapot. Clean those spouts regularly, Omen. <laughs> Clean them regularly. But I feel like she's almost the opposite of the Brothers Grimm because, because the, brother, oh. the Brothers Grimm, 
went around and collected these folk tales and wrote them down and published them in a nice book mm-hmm. and made a pretty penny doing it. I feel like Mother Goose is the embodiment of the oral tradition. Oh, interesting. Okay. She's the keeper of stories. You know, when, when, when Mother Goose is depicted, it's often, or sometimes, I don't know if you ever had like Mother Goose coming to your school. And it was just, yeah. you know, it was, it was a, a nice lady who had a basket full of books and she came and, and read or, or told stories. It was more about her and her storytelling ability than, you know, whatever hot children's book was off the shelf. So it was more the act, not the the story. Or the story as a as a telling, as a live event rather than a written down Got it. Okay. Thing. There's something alive about it. Mm-hmm. She is upholding the oratory tradition. Absolutely. St- yeah. Storytelling and and a, and a kind of storytelling specifically for children, which I think dates back really f- far in in history, but also sure is sort of very rooted in our primal memories as human beings. If we were lucky enough to be told stories as children, which if you have children, go and tell them a story. Right now, put down this podcast, go and tell them a story, and then send them back to college and come and listen to the rest of the podcast. <laughs> that was, a good, that was a, good, a good turn. Thank you. But in all seriousness, read to your kids. No, for real, though. They literally need it. Their brains need it. Yeah. For reals. For dingles. For dingles. Omen. Yeah. Historical... And conceptual Mother Goose aside. Yes. Tell me about this song. Ah, you know what? You finally caught me. Finally got you. I mean. Good, because I'm at a loss. Here's here's what I'll say. I had an extremely active imagination as a young person. Mm Mm-hmm. And I still do have a very active imagination, but I've tempered that with a more grounded sense of reality. I can hear but my... But I've tempered that with alcohol. I've, I, can, I can hear my parents laughing at me as I say this. <laughs> but but for me, what I, my, my takeaway is someone, someone at the park and seeing different people and just automatically, spontaneously, without without even being aware of it, generating narratives and generating stories about those people mm. as soon as they see them and creating these narrative landscapes in which they themselves are the hero. Huh. So so a, a, an overactive imagination paired with people watching. And megalomania, yes. Send me to a doctor. <laughs> well, yeah. I'm, I'm very sick. I wonder... I wonder if they're all references to some story that we're just not aware of. Like some some of it, obviously, we know. Like Long John Silver, we obviously know. Oh, you I mean that's the only one? Are you are you saying that you you feel like like all of the references might be relating to to a singular story? No, no. To to they they each come from their own individual story. We just don't know those stories. Possibly, but I think 
maybe so, but I think that we can read into what kind of stories they are even if we don't specifically know what they are. For instance, walked down by the bathing pond to try to catch some sun. Must have been at least a hundred schoolgirls sobbing into handkerchiefs as one. Walked down by the bathing pond to try and catch some sun. Saw at least a hundred schoolgirls sobbing into handkerchiefs as one. Okay, let's say our narrator was indeed walking in the park and did indeed see a bunch of schoolgirls maybe two or three of them, you know, who, who knows how many, weeping. Uh-huh. Maybe those are real things that, you, that, that were seen. And then I feel like it's a very logical leap imaginatively to, to expand the number, to make it, you know, much more epic in your, in your mind. Oh, there's three, there's three girls crying. Actually, there are a hundred girls crying. And then finally, to imagine oneself as the cause. I don't believe they knew I was a schoolboy. I don't believe they knew I was a schoolboy. How is that the cause? Because he'd broken their hearts. Oh. Is what I get from it. Huh. So is this is this more the narrator telling us an exaggerated story of what he experienced? Is this like, is this us sitting down with a five-year-old and he tells us about seeing a hundred people walking across the street or, or, or a dog climbed a tree or something, you know, like just that crazy unbridled imagination that a little kid has? I think that it is that kind of imagination, but it's in an adult. (laughs) It's in Ian Anderson. It's in all of us. You know, it's it's that ability. There's a little bit of Ian Anderson in all of us. Whoop. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think that there's something very natural about that. Like, you know, everyone everyone makes up stories, right? You know, you, you go to work and, sure. and your boss, mostly they're negative. Like, often they're negative stories. You, you go into work and you say hi to your boss and your boss goes, mmph, to you. And you think, oh, no, he found out about how I stole copier paper. I'm going to be fired. I should sell my house. Ah." And in fact, it's like, you know, that person just happened to have too spicy a bagel in the morning. We're having some some irritable bowel syndrome. You know, you know, the facts don't correspond at all to the to the narrative that you create from them. Usually. Yeah, you create only with what input you are given and you're never given 100 percent. Exactly. And if yeah. you were, it, you would, your brain would melt. But I think yeah. that the human mind is always trying to create narratives. Like that's one of the, that's one of our weird superpowers that we, that we can't really turn off that well. Yeah. But that we're not often that aware of. Yeah, I mean uh, that is that is the, the boiled down explanation to the spread of culture and the spread of knowledge is is, telling stories. Right. Sharing information. Exactly. On, on on the deepest of anthropological levels, that is, we are we are all the narrator in Mother Goose. I think that's I think that's exactly. Where and we're yep. going about our day, seeing oh here are these schoolgirls crying. Oh, I bet it was me that they're all in love with, and they and they can't yeah. have me. Oh, there's the yeah. laborers. Oh, they're trying to dig up their gold, but I already stole it. Like it's it's a bit. It's it's a it's fantastical. Yeah. 
And so I feel like this this song is like is that mental process mixed with all of this childhood imagery. There there is a certain degree of naivete, a certain innocence in this song. Tell me more. Just in terms of of being able to go through life and and thinking Oh, I'm a pirate, and I'm I was a schoolboy, etc. Right. Being able to being able to disconnect from God, any any other countless number of of Ian Anderson songs where he's complaining about something, and, and right. I'm not using that pejoratively, but it's just no, how he yeah, communicates yeah. that that he can he can have a very, for lack of a better term, light-hearted song. Well, and that is yes, I I agree, and and this this does set it apart from. Aqualung and Cross-Eyed Mary in that regard, that it's not like, I saw these things and they were horrible, despicable, the dredges of human society. It's like... Even Cheap Day Return. Right. There's a bit of cynicism there in a way. Yeah. Yeah, there is, there is, a, there is a lightness to this song. Even though I don't... I feel like there's... Maybe it's just the music itself. Maybe it's just the actual, like, audible music of it, the instrumentation. It it feels like there's a little cynicism there. It doesn't feel as innocent as the lyrics make it seem. I would say it feels a little bit carnivalesque in a way. Sure. But there's nothing that there's nothing in it that that directly speaks of of a loss of innocence there's there's something it gets it, it it it's a bit naughty sometimes okay but it's not it's not sexual or it's and it's not it's not violent i would say yeah one source described this song as a as a pastiche huh pastiche of course coming from the italian pasticcio or the french pate referring to a a pie filling comprised of many disparate elements. A pastiche in art is, of course, a, a marrying together of, of lots of different styles or images or, or concepts in a way that doesn't necessarily make fun of them, but more sort of celebrates them. So this is a pastiche in the sense that it's just a, a collection of fairy tale references? Yeah, I think so. Tied together, and and they're disparate, right? Like there are there are elements that don't that that don't automatically sync up. Well, they they fall under a greater umbrella. True. You know of that fairy tale sense. But it also inverts some of it. You know, Mother Goose is is off is always viewed as a as a sweet, kindly, loving, caring figure, and the first verse is. I came upon Mother Goose, so I turned her loose, and she was screaming. Well, to me, that that feels like she was screaming because she was trapped or or tied up or whatever. Although I know it comes later in this, comes after the fact. I don't know. To me, that that imagery was always because she was screaming, he let her loose. Hmm. Interesting. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I came upon Mother Goose, so I turned her loose. She was screaming. That's the explanation as to her his having turned her loose. I feel like either way, there's sort of a metaphor there of 
I let my imagination run wild, and here's what happened. Yeah. I turned loose my imagination either because it was screaming inside me or I turned it loose and then it went screaming all over the place. <laughs> right. Both like of Daffy which, Duck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Both of which kind of work. Yeah, that's true. I never thought of Mother Goose being the allegorical representation of his just his imagination. Yeah, I don't think I ever did either. But I love that. I think that works really well. It makes a whole hell of a lot of more sense now going down that, that the last line in that first stanza. And a foreign student said to me, was it really true there are elephants, lions too in Piccadilly Circus? And a foreign student said to me, was it really true there are elephants and lions too in Piccadilly Circus? Piccadilly Circus isn't a circus. No, 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 no. No, it's a it's a it's a, a square or a kind of a, a roundabout in London. And it never it never made sense to me, but now it makes absolute sense. Right. Oh, it's called a circus, so there should be elephants and lions there. Right, right. So it's sort yeah. of it's sort of a it's I mean, I love that line because it's so it's so complex. Like in a in one way it's making fun of the people who come to London, they're like, Oh my god, it's Piccadilly Circus, I can't wait to see the clowns, you know, like yeah. this sort of tourist stuff. But also you know, in a in a way, taking that viewpoint of taking things at their delightful face value. Yeah. Again, I want to go back to to it it being a, a certain degree of naivete, of just not knowing exactly, not knowing better, and so filling in the blanks with a sort of logic, a sort of childlike logic. Yeah. Saw Johnny Scarecrow make his rounds in his jet black Mac, which he won't give back, stole it from a snowman. Saw Johnny Scarecrow make his rounds in his jet black Mac, which he won't give back, stole it from a snowman. I can imagine seeing someone and being like, oh yeah, that's a scarecrow. He stole his jacket from a snowman. And, you know, you that's a game that people play sometimes. You know, if when you people watch, you make up stories about, I mean, you always do it, but... Sometimes you do it intentionally. Yeah, you actively do it, yeah. But I make up, I mean, you know, riding the subway, it's impossible not to because you you see in your 45-minute, who am I kidding, hour-long commute. <laughs> thanks, MTA. Thanks, MTA. No, it's fine. It's uh, They're doing their best. <laughs> I mean, there's some stuff, but. <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll talk after, after the podcast, MTA. Yeah. yeah, call us, call us. But, you know, you see hundreds, literally hundreds of people on your commute. Yeah. And each of them are going somewhere and each of them are coming from somewhere and, and each of them is a person with a history. I like to play a game where I just look at people's shoes and try to extrapolate the rest of the person just based on the shoes. And then I look up hmm. and see if I'm right or not. I'm never right. <laughs> but that's what's fun about it. I mean, most people probably just listen to podcasts, but no. Not not Omen Sade. If only there were some good podcasts to listen to on the train, Nick. Absolute garbage. Nothing out there. I've been I've been reading The Count of Monte Cristo on the train. You can read on a train? I can read, thank you, yes. The uh, educational system did not fail me that much. Well, Mexico, New York, you yeah. never know. <laughs> no, I, I couldn't I couldn't read on the train though. Hmm. Yeah, you know, I can read while I'm driving just fine, but yeah, or watch TV. 
I, I, most people do. Or not most, but I, I've seen people doing it. Next time you ride the train, call me and I will read to you. How about that? <laughs> You'll be my, my personal audiobook? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. Okay, here's a question. If we start a Patreon, we should offer that service. Oh, yes. What is a chicken fancier? He has a long red beard and a weird sister <laughs> who, who drives a truck. Mm-hmm. Bearded lady said to me, if you start your evening, you must be having to be sorry. Then the chicken fancier came to play with his long red beard and his sister weird. And the chicken fancier came to play with his long red beard and his sister's weird. She drives a lorry. Chicken fancier. But it's hyphenated. There is apparently a chicken fancier magazine. Oh, well, yeah. Oh, I see. An adult male homosexual sexually attracted to underage males. Used somewhat derogatorily. Oh, I see. Yes, a chicken fancier. Yes, I see now. Is is a young person called a chicken? Yeah. As in, she ain't no spring chicken. Oh. Okay. All right. So it's just another character in his story. Yeah. In his experience, a dude with a long red beard. Right, at the park. And he's like, oh, that guy's a chicken fancier. He's watching those same kids that I am watching all by myself. <laughs> in my trench coat. In my trench coat beard. with my crazy long beard. <laughs> right, exactly. Hmm. Throw not the first stone, Mr. Anderson. Lest the chicken fancier stone be thrown back at ye. Yep. I think that's that's the rest of the parable. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, that's what they say. Yeah. Any further thoughts on Mother Goose? I'm going to read from the History Channel's webpage about Mother Goose to you for a moment. Would you like that? Like the first Mother Goose that we, we talked about? Yeah. Like the concept of Mother Goose? The historical... Or or like the History Channel talking about this song. Spoiler alert, it was aliens. That's all the History Channel does oh. now. Yeah. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for that history. Well, it's like, it's like MTV being music television, also not music now, so... Right. You know, I don't, I don't put much weight in memes, but there is one that I quite like. Where it's it's like all it's like a uh, it's a collection it's a pastiche if you will of the pyramids and Easter Island and Stonehenge and the the line drawings of South America and it says just because white people couldn't do it doesn't mean it was aliens. <laughs> all right, I'm just going to read you this small paragraph. In fact, the etymology of the moniker Mother Goose may have evolved over centuries, originating as early as the 8th century. Wow. With Bertrata II of Leon, mother of Charlemagne, the first emperor. That's my favorite. My favorite Bertrata. Mother of Charlemagne, the first emperor of the Holy Roman Empire, who was a patroness of children known as Goose-Footed Bertha or Queen Goosefoot. Due to a malformation of her foot. That was not offensive? No, she was the emperor. She was the mother of the emperor. I know, it just feels offensive to call someone a goose foot. Well, it was the 8th century. 
Fair enough. That was probably one of the least offensive things that, that was said. Exactly. <laughs> By the mid-17th century, Merloy, Mother Goose, was a, was a phrase commonly used in France to describe a woman who captivated children with delightful tales. Huh. In 1697, Charles Perlot published a collection of folk tales with the subtitle Contre de ma mère l'oeil, Tales from my Mother Goose, which became beloved throughout France and was translated into English in 1729. So it it stemmed from this one lady with a club foot yep. who liked kids, was the, the patroness of, of kids. Also the mother of Charlemagne. Well, but that is that's irrelevant to to the mother goose aspect of it, is it not? Unless that in itself gave her the longevity of being this character. I think that that might. I think it's circumstantial. Be yeah. Anyway, they're not unrelated, but they're not they're not interdependent. Yeah. So it's it 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 really it stems from this lady, and then it kind of went from there. It became it went from a specific person to a general term. Exactly, yeah. Which I know happens fairly regularly, but I, I could not come up with an example right now of one. You'll just have to take my word for it. Oh, what about a um a Benedict Arnold? There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. A, a, a specific person becomes an idea. Right. Batman. Becomes a concept. Did you hear me just now when I said Batman? No, <laughs> I did not hear Batman. Do you think? Do you think in um, in eight centuries from now, people will be like, "Oh yeah, that guy's a real Ian Anderson"? I was hoping that you would say, "Oh yeah, that guy's a real feckless mom." Ooh, well, mm. we have our no our new goal. Yeah, Nick. Anything else about the song "Mother Goose"? I have a much stronger respect for this song now mm. now that we've really kind of and I, i'm pretty confident i'm pretty happy about the deciphering of the meaning behind the lyrics there was nothing in in a, a passion play for this one no 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 the ballad of jethro tull should be shipping i think they said i'd have it by January at the latest. Ooh, exciting. Yeah, so we'll definitely have to throw in some addenda once I get that and, and read up on it. Hopefully there's there's a bit more explanation of, of certain songs and stuff. Do you ever, when you have to take like a long car trip by yourself, imagine that you are a deep space vessel pilot? No, not once in my life. Really? Yeah, not not once. <laughs> so, uh, what are we listening to next week, Nick? <laughs> do you want to do you want to unpack that, Omen? Or I was just I was just saying that that you know I <laughs> I I sometimes you know create more exciting than real life narratives to occupy my to, to to keep my interest in real life while I'm doing something that's boring so you mother goose it basically I goose it you 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 goose it mother <laughs> next week 
We are listening to another re- another really beautiful acoustic one, Wondering Aloud. <gasps> oh my gosh. I love this song. I might be out sick due to weeping. Just just 45 minutes of you bawling. Yeah, pretty it's much. such a beautiful song. Oh, it's really beautiful. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Right. Until right. next week, why don't you tell your children the story of how you once wrote a beautiful review <laughs> for a couple of handsome young podcast princes and defeated <laughs> the evil internet dragon of obscurity. That was really good. Thank you. I, I could not have come up with something like that. And you didn't. I did not. Need, I, and you I, didn't I, need I trusted, to. I trusted you to do it. Until next week, I'm Omen Said. And I am Nick McGill. We certainly are feckless moms. And this is most definitely Talk Tall to Me. Now gather round, children. Ooh, 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 tell us a story, tell us a story. All right, settle down now, have a butterscotch. Ooh, Werther's original. Once upon a time, Talk Tall to Me was a proud member of the Feckless Moans Audio Network. And then what happened? And nap time! Okay. Time for Granny to get out her medicine. It's just heart medicine, isn't it? They, it's li- I'm very ill. 